Hello again. Bit of a while since I spoke to you last. Jack, my younger son, got me to start doing these podcasts. He said, Mum, you need a new hobby. Take up doing podcasts. I said, well, how do you do that? Well, anyway, I use an app on my phone called Anchor. And it's very simple, very easy. Anyone can do it. Now, I've taken to starting to write down what I want to say before I give my podcast because I want to make sure I get everything in and don't miss anything out and say things the right way. And Jack says, no, 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 mum. No, no, no. You just have to do it ad lib. You mustn't write things down and read them. And I agree with him. It's much more natural just to speak naturally and not read it off. Uh, from what I've written. However, when I'm talking about complicated things like the climate complexity or the energy of the future or panspermia, things like that, I feel I need to write it down to organise my thoughts more carefully. So anyone, anyway, this is the topic of discrimination and diversity. And I have written it down and I am going to read it out because I just will forget what I wanted to say and I'll get my words mixed up probably if I don't read it out. So I hope you'll forgive me for writing things down and reading them out. If I had somebody with me and we were talking naturally between each other, you know, as in an interview or something, I'd be a bit more natural. But um, when it's just me, I just feel I do need to write it down to make sure I get through to you what I want to say. Now this, of course, this topic is quite controversial and we live in an age when you're not allowed to say anything about anything because people are going to jump down your throat. So some of you might have totally different ideas about what I'm going to talk about from me. You might even think I'm a horrible person, but that's up to you. Anyway, here I go. This is about discrimination and diversity and I've done quite a bit of thinking about it lately. So you may or may not agree with what I'm going to say. There are many types of discrimination, as as we all know. Is any one form of bigotry or discrimination any worse than any other? That's the question I've been pondering over for a while. People can be discriminated against for so many reasons. There's social snobbery, in which one social class looks down on another, and usually that's a more middle-class type of person looking down on a more working-class type of person. Although luckily in Australia, we are the most equal society in the world. We really haven't come from a history of class division, the way European feudalism caused people to be divided up. In Australia, we're very egalitarian and we really don't look down on people like that here. However, it does happen, and especially it happens in other countries. So, so there's social snobbery. And of course, it can happen in reverse too, where a working class person is bigoted against the middle class. I certainly knew people in England when I lived there who were very bigoted about middle class people and judged them very badly. So this reverse type of snobbery is still social snobbery, just in the other direction. Often this type of bigotry is connected to different levels of income or the suburb someone lives in 
or the type of car they drive or the job they do or even the clothes they wear. So many ways to be a social snob. Another particularly nasty form of bigotry that I despise is academic snobbery. It seems that for many people who get a university degree, and I am generalizing, but for many people, if not most, they graduate not only with their qualifications, but also with an inbuilt sense of superiority over those without a degree. Even if you hold an advanced diploma from a technical college, they still look down on you. Many jobs these days require a degree even when the job can be done perfectly well without one. Why should those people be discriminated against just because they don't have a university degree? People can be looked down on for being fat. They can suffer terrible discrimination by hurtful remarks and ridicule, as if their condition isn't bad enough for them to endure without such humiliation. No one wants to be fat, and it isn't always gluttony that makes a person fat, although those without this problem of overweight usually don't understand the science behind obesity. Then there's ageism. In Oriental countries, children are taught to respect their elders, and even inside their use of language, respect for seniors is embedded in the words they use. Sadly, in the West, these old-fashioned manners are declining and more and more young people think of the elderly as outdated and useless figures of fun that should just hurry up and die. Of course, the form of discrimination that has been uh, seen throughout history is the discrimination of women. It's a long, sad story of cruelty and abuse, especially in the more primitive societies. In fact, the main sign that a society has become advanced is shown by how well women are treated and respected and by how much freedom is given to them. In the West, however, I think we've gone a bit too far so that now men are being discriminated against. Girls at school are no longer being encouraged to play their traditional roles, even if they want to. They are being taught that to be successful they have to aim high and write their names on the pages of human history by becoming powerful career women. To hell with the upbringing of their children, if they bother to have any, and of the smooth running of a home and family, it's considered totally unimportant. Affirmative action in the job world is also very discriminatory. Instead of choosing the best person for the job, the box stickers have to ensure that the right number of women or whatever other assortment of people are on the list are chosen for the position. Would you want to drive across a bridge or live in a tall building knowing that the engineer, architect or builder wasn't the most skilled but just happened to be of the right gender, gender, colour or sexuality? And what about doctors? What if they're going to operate on you? Do you want to be operated on a doctor just because they need to make sure that a black person or a homosexual or a bisexual or a woman had to get that job? I don't think we would. What about discrimination, discriminating against disabled people? Either the physically or mentally handicapped. These people 
have had no say in the matter. Through sheer bad luck, most of them have been born that way, and others have ended up in wheelchairs through terrible accidents sustained throughout their lives. Then there is religious discrimination. The most persecuted religion is Judaism and has been right throughout its history, followed at the present time by Christianity and then Hinduism. Although the woke mainstream media avoid reporting on it, discrimination against Christians, especially in the Muslim world, has reached almost genocidal proportions. And sadly now also in the Western world, the left has adopted anti-Christian hatred. And finally, the one that hits the headlines the most, and now it seems is considered the greatest crime of the century, is racial discrimination. Why is it that racial prejudice is treated any differently from the other forms of discrimination? No form of bigotry is nice or fair. Why is committing racial discrimination any worse than judging someone by their age, weight, income, social class, religion, or any other characteristic? I do have a theory about this issue. I might be totally wrong, but I can't help thinking that it has a lot to do with my idea. Before the 60s and 70s, the Western world had far lower rates of immigration and those who were accepted into the West were chosen from similar backgrounds and cultures in the hope that the migrants would settle into their newly adopted country with ease. In Australia, for example, we concentrated on accepting migrants from Britain, New Zealand and Europe as these cultures were very similar to ours. It was assumed that the new migrants would assimilate and integrate into society, learn the language, get a job and send their children to the local school. After the troubles that arose with Chinese gold miners during the gold miners during the gold rush, we weren't happy about accepting the Chinese as migrants and there was a policy against them. However, in the 60s, the United Nations pushed hard for the West to become multiculturalism. We, the voting public, were never asked for our opinion on the policy and were never given a vote on the matter. The politicians were probably scared that we wouldn't vote the way they wanted us to, so gave us no say and no choice. And all of a sudden, the rate of immigration skyrocketed around the Western world. With the multicultural policy firmly in place, non-European migrants began to flood in from countries with vastly different customs, beliefs, religions, languages, and attitudes. Although most Westerners are very tolerant and accepting of different cultures, of course problems arose. But woe betide anyone who dared to question the sense in choosing migrants from such alien backgrounds. This discussion was forbidden. The nasty slur of racism was a handy label to shut us up. If a Muslim neighbour is seen busy slaughtering a sheep with a kitchen knife in his back garden, we're not allowed to call the RSPCA. If you rent out a flat with three bedrooms, you don't expect to have 26 people living there. These issues have nothing to do with race, but we're now powerless to protest. And this brings me to the fashionable use of the word diversity. In genetics, 
Diversity is a good thing. The inbreeding of species leads to faults and weaknesses and the lack of the ability to adapt to changing conditions. Evolution thrives on diversity. However, I don't believe the same rule applies to human society. Yes, in a multicultural society, there is a great choice of restaurants with exotic foods, all very nice, but what about the bigger picture? Diversity doesn't lead to unity. It is an oxymoron to believe such a thing. Diversity leads to division a lot of the time and weakens the social fabric that holds us together. In the Oriental countries where the United Nations hasn't insisted on multiculturalism, there is huge cohesion, a sense of belonging and a pride in their history and culture. It used to be the same in the West before we were forced into the multicultural policy. I have many lovely friends from all over the world and of different religions, different races, lots of lovely friends. But I still believe that as migrants, they should show respect for our kindness and generosity in allowing them to settle here. I expect them to learn English and at least be aware of our culture. I also assume that as good citizens, they will find work and not be a burden on the taxpayer. None of these attitudes of mine should be classed as racist, and yet by many people they are. My beliefs have absolutely nothing to do with race and everything to do with good old common sense. I believe that the word racist has been used to shut us up. The policy of multiculturalism has been deliberately forced on us to weaken Western society and the constant demand for diversity has been used as a weapon of discrimination against us in our society. The West has been hijacked by those who want to finish us.